Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today, we're here to talk about the magical story of Hookie. Man, I am so excited for this one. I love this webtoon, and I know for a fact that you love this webtoon too. I absolutely do. Let's just get right into it. Before we get started, I'd like to offer a quick spoiler warning. We will be spoiling everything from the entire series. It is completed. (laughs) Go read it and then come back and listen to this episode. Oh, yes, please. Absolutely go read this webtoon. We already touched on this, but we absolutely love this and you should not miss out on Hookie. Yeah, it's a fantastic, epic fantasy story about witches and magic and family. And it has these lovely lovely characters which we absolutely adore Mm -hmm. it's got such wonderful themes too and we'll get into all of this but truly i think what captured our eye when we first read this will i don't know about you but it's such a strong fantasy story it sets a very expansive world where in fantasy that's so critical to have an established world with rules and with ways of being in this world as well as the magic and the different fantasy elements and we're introduced to Danny and Dorian these two young witch twins and they miss a school bus going to witch school and that sets up the story for the entire series that's kind of the catalyst that sets everything into motion yeah and if you read the first few chapters you might be mistaken and think that this is more of a comedic parody which in some ways it does parody very common fairy tale tropes, but it definitely expands out into an epic fantasy adventure story. And while Hookie does subvert a lot of expectations and tropes, I know that's a little bit of a cursed phrase nowadays, but it is true, at least in the case of Hookie, it does so very lovingly and with the intent of just using this to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but to really, really give its characters love and a lot of depth. You're absolutely right about Hookie being written very lovingly and incorporating all of these fantasy tropes and these different stories in a very tongue-in-cheek way into the webtoon. You get the sense that Hookie knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to pretend to be something that it is not. It is very much a fantasy story. So it pays homage to different fantasy stories and tropes, But it doesn't get too hung up on trying to become one of them either. It very much does its own thing. It creates a strong world. It sets up strong characters. And even though the story tonally shifts and the direction of the story kind of shifts from the beginning to the very end, it's never jerked around. The author knows exactly where the story is going to go and... It's a journey to get there, and it is very cohesive. It all works together very beautifully. And that's kind of what I was going to mention before, that even though this webtoon, to me, actually reads, it definitely reads like an epic, but it reads kind of like a series of fantasy novels rather than one overarching story, because, you know, the beginning, the middle, and the end, they're all very different tonally, but... 
it all fits together. The characters are enduring. They are the same people that you can easily recognize them. And there is enough groundwork laid in the early sections of the story that set up the depth for some of the darker elements that do end up coming out later. Yeah, it's definitely hinted at from the very beginning, from the moment that Danny and Dorian miss the bus. Yeah, in the very first few episodes, when they try and learn magic from their aunt, we get a sense that their aunt is up to some nefarious stuff. She's a little shady. And it's a great juxtaposition to have the innocence and the childlike wonder and curiosity that Danny and Dorian display. They're very eager to learn and prove themselves. And then you've got some of the heavier plot points in the background, like when their aunt orders the huntsman to go find Snow White and kill Snow White, which ends up being hilariously misinterpreted by Danny and Dorian for the huntsman to try and win over Snow White's heart. Yeah, as opposed to stealing it. Danny and Dorian definitely are naive and earnest, though, in their want to learn more magic and also learn a bit of it more about the world. They're sheltered kids at that point. Yeah, they definitely are. And they seek out a master to teach the magic, and they end up meeting Nico and Pendragon and many other characters as well. Mm-hmm. That village and Pendragon's house is where all of the main characters end up converging. We meet, as you said, Nico, who is Pendragon's sort of adopted son slash apprentice. And we get to meet Monica, who is, I know, one of your favorite characters. And it's really lovely because a lot of those kids are either running from things or they're far away from home. And that seaside town and that house just becomes sort of this, not exactly idyllic, but this peaceful place for them to learn and study and grow up and be kids. Danny and Dorian get to learn more about the world. Nico gets more exposure and matures as a result of meeting all the other characters. And Monica also gets to learn a little bit more about the world and about herself. Mm-hmm. Do you want to delve into some of the characterization a little bit more? Because that's one of the things that we love most about this webtoon, some of the amazing characters in it. Yeah, I would love to start with my favorite character, as you as you said earlier. <laughs> Monica. She is one of my favorite webtoon characters. I love her. I'm not even kidding. I am a Monica stan through and through. Hardcore, man. You are. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your analysis of her character. Because I know we're just in the beginning of the webtoon now, so we'll have much more to talk about, but please share. Yeah, Monica gets introduced after William is kidnapped and she's obviously been distraught over this and she decides, I'm going to rescue him myself. Why can't a princess be a hero? And so she sets off and searches for answers for where's William and ends up at Pendragon's place. And she's very headstrong. She's very sure in her ways. And it's not until later in the story that the rough edges around her get softened. Mm -hmm. She is definitely a slightly bratty character. She's very good-intentioned, she's strong-willed, but she's ultimately 
very caring and she's just a passionate young girl and it's so cool to see the maturation that she goes under because it's all very believable it's still the same monica but she just grows up yeah nico has a very similar growing up that he has to do he's bratty but he feels inadequate in a lot of ways and he compares himself to dorian and other characters fairly often he does he he doesn't really feel like he belongs anywhere. He lives with the master, and the thing about Nico is that he is desperate to belong to someone, to be loved, to be accepted, and he does anything he can to be accepted in some way. He thinks about Pendragon that if he can't be a son, he'll be his pupil, he'll be his apprentice, but then he fails at that too, and then later on when Dorian comes along, he feels replaced by Dorian, which leads to a lot of the resentment in their interactions that Nico feels, and he just kind of wants to belong. He's never felt like he was particularly special to anyone. It's not until later that he learns how special he is and, you know, the extent of his own powers. And all of these feelings end up coming out through some really impetuous, unkind, as you said, bratty behaviors that he has to be encouraged and trained out of almost with Danny's curse that she inadvertently sets on him. Yeah, Nico feels small and is small. Yeah, that was so genius. That was such a genius bit of like just thematic beautifulness. It's really well done because we've established that he feels small. Danny ends up cursing him unintentionally. All of her curses, most of them are inadvertent. And that's how she works. But she ends up cursing him because he was rude to Dorian and she loves Dorian very much. She curses him to remain small, physically small. He shrinks until he apologizes sincerely to Dorian. And that's how the curse works. And it's so genius because Nico feels small. And now he is forced to confront the physical smallness that he feels inside himself all the time and he has to reconcile that he has to confront it he has no choice otherwise he can't go back to normal and that is a big part of his growth arc and he's able to realize certain things about himself and he's able to grow up a little bit and understand Dorian a little more open up a little more not quite because he's still uncomfortable with being so vulnerable because Dorian is also really expressive towards him because Dorian really wants to be earnestly friends with Nico and he really looks up to Nico because of how social he sees Nico to be because that's where Dorian feels he's lacking and these kids just want to love and be loved honestly and it's such a great moment for their relationship to have that reckoning and it's a great growing up moment for Nico as well yeah you touched on something that's really important in that all the characters are really interconnected so when Nico is facing the smallness, Dorian does have to confront his own confusions and problems. Dorian is absolutely sure of himself. He's in his element when it comes to things like academic knowledge or book knowledge. He willingly embraces the term professor, but when it comes to social interactions, he feels so awkward and he looks at someone like Danny, who is his twin and who he's bonded closely with and he loves dearly but he's also jealous of how easily she seems to get along with everybody else 
Whereas Danny also feels a little bit of longing to be as good at magic as Dorian is. And it's really cool to see all of these individual nuances and vulnerabilities that each character faces. And it's wonderful throughout the progression of the webtoon to see them kind of grow out of it and embrace their challenges. Yeah, and one lovely bit about Danny and Dorian, they have an inseparable bond. It is rock solid. It's something special. It's not just because they're siblings. It's not just because they're close. It's something more than that. I think what it really comes down to is that regardless of whatever comes their way, Danny and Dorian have always had each other, and that's powerful. These kids are stranded and wandering, and they are fine as long as they're together. It's what makes the latter arc of the story really compelling because you can feel Dorian's desperation to help Danny, to find Danny, and in a weird way, it doesn't feel complete until they're back together again. You know, there are several moments where one character turns to the other for comfort and for their backing, like when Danny is nearly burned at the stake and she runs past Nico into Dorian's arms. Mm-hmm. Dorian is home for her. I think that's something that is a pretty consistent theme with this webtoon. It's about family, found or biological, and to Danny and to Dorian, each other are family. And those kids, Nico, Monica, they build a found family in that house with Pendragon. Not with Pendragon, but in his home. And it's a found family. And the bond is tight simply because of everything that they go through. Yeah, not every character in this webtoon has the same found family. Damien, who is Danny and Dorian's biological brother, doesn't have this at the start of the story. He feels very alone. Yeah, he does. Damien ends up shouldering a lot of the responsibility and the burden that he feels from the White family because of all the revenge and the pain and the general anger and fear that they still hold. And Damien doesn't want to be a part of that. He wants to reject that. And he is in the palace. He finds kinship with William, but he is still isolated from a lot of his family members, from a lot of people that would otherwise, I think, offer him support. Yeah, he definitely feels responsible for what Danny and Dorian had to go through in their house, or rather, what they didn't have to go through because of what Damien did. So after a certain point, he ends up leaving and trying to set about his own path. And it makes sense that that path is with Prince William. He feels a sense of freedom when he's around William, like he can be himself. And Damien has not had the luxury of feeling like that very often. William is also one of the few people who accepts him as he is. It's really no wonder that Damien kind of falls head over heels for him the way that he does. Yeah, and that ship is very, very spicy. Yeah, Damien and William go through a bit of a journey with their relationship. I love their relationship. I love a lot of their relationship. Damien is so brave with the way he just shares his feelings. He puts it out there and he's like, you know how I feel. What is it that you want? Because William 
Growing up, Monica and William have been betrothed to each other, so he has been ingrained since he was very young with this strong sense of duty and sky-high expectations for who he would become and the kind of person that he is. And this leads to William having a lot of trouble unpacking and letting go of that and accepting a different way for himself. He also has a lot of insecurity about the kind of leader that he'll be, the kind of king that he'll be. And as soon as he starts to feel confidence in his ability to be a good king and a good leader, he opens himself up to a different way of living as a person and embracing the freedom to be who he really wants to be. And he grew up thinking that he had to marry Monica, be a husband to her, and have children, be a good king. But he kind of realizes that he can be a good king and have his own personal life with the person he really wants, who is Damien, and that is totally okay. Yeah, it takes a while for him to get there, and it's really the major stopping block in William's relationship with Damien, or lack thereof. I especially love the moment where William is cursed and asleep, and the only thing that can wake him up is a, tr a true love's kiss, yes. and Monica tries. It doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> it's not Monica. It's Damien. He's the one who kisses William, and he wakes up. They're the ship, 100%. <laughs> They're so great. It's cool, too, because Will's hesitation and his hot and cold back and forthness that kind of strings Damien along, it's not related to any internalized homophobia, but it's rather related to William's identity crisis and insecurities and internal confusion about who he is as a person, which I think is an important distinction to make. Yeah, absolutely. We should get into some of the other ships. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's absolutely another one of the things that we love about Hookie. I don't know about you, Will, but I love the characters. I love the fantasy world. But Hookie, it's not a romance webtoon, but it has some of the most swoonable beautiful relationships that I just just dig out my heart why don't you and let me sob my guts out with all of my feelings because that's that's how the ships in this webtoon make me feel it's so beautiful and it's such an appropriate love story too like it just fits the characters it fits where they are they grew up together and they fall in love and it's wonderful I absolutely feel the same way about the romance in this story. It's just the right amount, and it's so gripping. Yeah, you don't tend to ship as much as I do, but you fell hard for these two, these characters. Yeah, Monica and Dorian is one of my favorite ships in Webtoons. There's so much to love about their relationship, even just as friends, even just as people who go on adventures together outside of their romance. Their dynamic as friends, as people who know each other, progresses and is made more intense by their growing feelings for one another. And it's in these growing feelings that are not even just relatable because they're young, they're awkward, they don't quite know how to express themselves yet, but they do feel these things. They have to work through a lot of the awkwardness and a lot of the hiccups of just their regular friendship. They go through a little bit of a journey when getting to know each other. It's true. Monica and Dorian kind of get along like oil and water a little bit. She is a little bit high maintenance with him, 
kind of pushes him away. And I think he's sort of a little more interested in her than she is in him at first. But he earns her respect when she starts calling him professor and he starts teaching her. And it's fascinating because their love relationship actually blossoms when they're really, really young. They're 12 and 13. That is a really young age to fall in love. And usually puppy loves like that don't tend to last. But the way that the author connects the two of them together at that age, it's not only age appropriate, but it's really thrilling. It You can feel the chemistry. It's heart palpitating and you're totally on board with it. And not in an inappropriate way. When I talk about chemistry, it's really just you can feel the innocence of their feelings that they have for one another. And then, of course, we've got the three-year time skip. And then we see Dorian grow up. He grows up to become a man. He's tall. Monica grows into a mature young woman. And their feelings for each other, it's different. It's a different flavor. It has different shades, but it's still them. And they're still there with each other. They love each other. They are head over heels for each other and nothing really has changed at the core of who they are. And it's such a cool progression to see that happen from their youth to their burgeoning adulthood. Yeah, even early on, it's clear that their love Part of it is just the magic in the air that they feel. Part of it's a deep appreciation they have for the other person and their good qualities. They notice them. It isn't just that they think the other person is really pretty because they do think that. They also think about the qualities the other person has. Dorian notices Monica's kindness and confidence very early on. And Monica also notices Dorian's attention to detail. He brings her a white rose and he picked up that it was her favorite. And there are so many other small things that I don't think we have time to mention, but their relationship has so many near misses or absolute hits. It's just, they've got so many squee-worthy moments. And honestly, Will and I, when we first read this webtoon, we were just like, ah, like squealing over this romance because... That is the kind of love that Monica and Dorian's love inspires. I love their romance. I don't often say this about couples, especially fictional couples, because I think it's a little dangerous, but these two really do feel like they're meant for each other in some way. They are each other's matches in almost every way. Monica, especially the way that they both grow up, Dorian is the same studious kind attentive person that he's always been except he grows up he gets a little more badass a little more life experience and monica she just matures so beautifully into this lovely courageous confident queen who is a master of potions and a scholar as well which is something that Dorian finds very attractive and these two just complement each other so well and honestly there's like we said there's so many squee worthy moments and that's something powerful that this webtoon does that it just brings you so on board with their romance in their relationship and honestly has one of my favorite kiss scenes in any webtoon that I've ever read it is so full of heart and feeling I oh my gosh I can't I can't even <laughs> Before we get into that kiss scene, I would love to get into the almost kiss scene. Oh my gosh. Okay, yes. When Monica finally realizes that even though William's here, 
it's Dorian that she wants. And so she goes to kiss him in one of the most, for me, one of the most emotionally gripping moments of the webtoon where Dorian says no and he pushes her away. Mm-hmm. And it was built up so perfectly to that moment. You were right there. That moment was very, very painful because you understood why it happened that way, even though we wanted it to not. And then that's just what made all of their subsequent scenes, that scene when Dorian flies back on the broom and asks Monica to wait for him. Like that, all of these moments that Dorian and Monica have are so hard-earned. Their relationship is, they put in the time and the effort and the emotion into each other and all of these moments are earned their first kiss is so so earned and it's just one of the most beautiful things because it's combined with all of these other things that they're trying to do they're trying to rescue danny they're trying to figure out the mystery behind why danny's the way she is they're trying to get rid of the possessing demon and then dorian is going through these flurry of emotions and monica Everyone else kind of is like, okay, they recognize that that's their moment. And Monica just runs after him. And she just, they're just so on the same wavelength. And it's just one of the swooniest kisses that I've ever seen. So beautiful. And it felt perfect in that moment. It was perfect in that moment. You don't always get to see the endings of certain characters or get a glimpse into what their future lives are like outside of the story that's being told. And that's not always necessarily a bad thing, because as readers, it's up to us to have our imagination fill the gaps. These characters should be so well fleshed out that our imagination should have no problem in filling out gaps of what they will be like, what they will be doing in 10 years. And Monica and Dorian are exactly like that. I absolutely picture them together. They just seem to me like the couple who is happiest when they're together and they care about each other so much and they're always a team and they want to make each other happy. It's such a wonderful, healthy relationship and I I ship it. I do too. We should touch on the other half of Dorian, Danny, and her ship with Nico. Mm-hmm. They're really sweet. It's the same kind of deal as Monica and Dorian. They just have a really sweet friendship that is the foundation that their romance is kind of built on. It really starts out as a big one-sided crush on Nico's part. He really likes Danny, and she represents a lot to him, I think. Danny, for her part, is kind of crushing on Mark, but she really just likes being around the both of them. She is an outgoing, friendly character, and I think that's what makes it hurt so much when she kind of fades. She disappears. That's part of what happens in the third act, but Nico is really the only character to be with her through every step of that. He is incredibly devoted to her, very dedicated, and his heart is kind of completely with her yeah she definitely needs that Mm -hmm. danny and the state that she's in is the catalyst and the source of conflict for a lot of the third act in this webtoon she is no longer herself no one really quite knows what's happened to her all they know is that she used to be this very vibrant vivacious curious and sweet girl and 
somehow along the way, that disappeared. Yeah, it's a brilliant little mystery for the final act that's set up pretty early on. Yeah, it's really cool. And this is part of what we were talking about earlier with the author setting up these deeper elements, these kind of darker undertones in a very light first to second act. You get to see Danny's internal conflict when it comes to choosing between witches and non-witches. And that's something that this world sets up really well this environment of discrimination and prejudice from the outset against witches by non-witches. And a lot of it has parallels into real life. It has to do with fear being the root of all of this hatred, all of this fighting. And that's something that Dany in particular has a really hard time dealing with. Damien and Dorian have comparatively easier times kind of reconciling their feelings about witches. And Danny. She's kind of in the middle. She knows that there are good witches out there, but her moral perspective gets complicated when she undergoes a series of events. She's mistaken for a forced witch, and she's almost burned at the stake. It forces her to see how bad witches really can be, because all this time she's maintained that there are good witches out there, and that this treatment is not always necessary when you have good witches out there. I think it's the first time she really sees true cruelty being dealt to other people. And she also feels so much pain and fear because of how people treat her. It's pure fear. These townspeople are tying up a little girl, a young preteen girl, to burn her at the stake because of the intensity of their own fear and their inability to accept someone different. And Danny's internal conflict continues when she makes friends with a group of teenage witches, including one girl named Alex, and in an altercation between Monica's dad, the king, and the witches who are out for revenge, who are led by Danny and Dorian's parents and family, the whites, she sees Alex get killed right in front of her. Yeah. And it's a really, really impactful moment for her. It's like a light goes out in her. The more unnecessary hate and cruelty she sees, the more violence she sees, the harder it becomes for Danny to reconcile those two parts of her. She, more than anybody, wants everyone to just get along. She dreams of a world where witches and non-witches can coexist peacefully and accept each other and have respect for each other instead of fear. Yeah, and that's something her parents have to deal with and they wrestled with when they were younger and they chose the path of destruction. They chose the path of hatred. It's really horrible because you can see, and this webtoon does this so well, it doesn't paint anyone as a villain. Everyone is a victim of this fear of this prejudice. Even the witches who are painted as villains in some regards and who kill Monica's parents, and even Monica's parents who are killed but they've not done everything completely right either, and Will's father. There are so many layers and no one is a complete villain. The White family, for example, are severe victims of this discrimination. Angela, while she's pregnant with Danny and Dorian, was almost burned at the stake. It was just stopped at the very last minute. And it's not difficult to see how this 
hatred, how this treatment could have hardened her heart the way it did. Yeah, it definitely did. And it makes it that much more heart-wrenching to see Danny, who is this young girl. She's idealistic. She is full of light and hope. And that's what makes it so heart-wrenching to see that hope get squished out of her. Little bit by little, she becomes more hopeless, more helpless to change the world. And in order to deal with that helplessness, she accepts help from the demon. And that's kind of what leads to the nail in the coffin for her. When she sees Dorian's quote-unquote death, he's not actually dead, but she thinks that he is when he is burned at the stake or his effigy is burned at the stake. And she has no one else at that point. Dorian was her rock. She succumbs and she just wants to get away from all of the pain. Yeah, that moment breaks her. Dorian's nowhere to be seen. And to be honest, the adults in this world are not very helpful because of their own burdens and in how they're set in their own ways. Yeah, I love that conversation that all the children had when they're sitting at the dining table at Pendragon's house at the end of the webtoon, where they're saying, to be honest, none of us had really good parental figures. All of the adults in our lives sucked, and they're absolutely right. They did. As we mentioned before, most of the adults in this webtoon were driven by fear and hatred. The instability caused by all of this hatred and vengeance led to a lot of upheaval and sorrow for the next generation. Will had to leave his home to live with Monica's parents, their king and the queen. Danny and Dorian had to stay in hiding. Damien left because he couldn't bear it. He couldn't bear that burden. And Nico never felt like he belonged anywhere. All of these adults took actions for the cause that they believed in or what they thought was right or for the children's own good. And in the end, it was the children who had to shoulder that burden, the responsibility of repair, and choose love and compassion over that fear. Yeah, the young people in this webtoon have to come up with an answer to the question, you know, to the sins of our forefathers. What do we do about it? Mm -hmm. And they chose to rebuild. That's what they choose. Because it was a wonderfully lucky and fortunate thing that all of the children of these adults who feared each other, who were against each other, all of them grew up together and they grew to love each other. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, one of the most beautiful takeaways from this webtoon is how powerful love and acceptance can be and how it can change the world. And that really is the magic of Hokey. Shall we wrap up with some of our closing thoughts? Yeah, I'll start. I love the art of this webtoon. I could go on and on about how I love this cartooning style. I absolutely adore it. It's not only fun and interesting and makes the characters pop to your eye, it really captures the deep and emotional moments. It's absolutely beautiful. It's such a descriptive style of art. I love how expressive it shows the characters to be, and it really helps you get in touch with where they are in the story in that emotional moment, as you were saying. There's also some very smart paneling choices. When scenes are really intense, the background goes away and it's just white, so you can really focus in on the characters in frame. And there's just 
so much that I could go on about the art, but we would be here all day if I did. Miriam produced an absolute masterpiece, for sure. Yeah, go check her out on the socials. Miriam Bonastre. We'll put it in the description. Go check her out. Follow her on Instagram. Check out her Twitter. Go do it. Go. Now. She's absolutely incredible. And she does post art of the twins and of the other hooky characters, and that's always a joy to see. So, yes, absolutely. Support her socials. Speaking of supporting people, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, a thumbs up wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at the Webtoon Room. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I don't think we have enough words for how much we love Hookie, and I hope we piqued your curiosity to check it out if you haven't yet. And if you already know and love this webtoon, we hope that you had fun fanning over this and loving this with us. It's such a joy, and I think honestly that this webtoon is going to be close to our hearts for a very long time. We're glad you're here. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll be back next week with more episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.